shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. Kimberly, I'm not sure there's anyone we could have on the podcast. I'm going to have to read all this because I can't even keep up with it. Who is a platinum-selling, three-time Grammy Award-winning artist who's written a wonderful cookbook, a children's book telling your family's own Christmas miracle of an adoption story. And we would both agree is one of the kindest, most delightful people we know. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. We've been counting down the days to get to do this. Yes, we have. Uh, I've been listening to y'all's podcast for a long time, and I really wanted an invite. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) What is such an honor for us. And we have a really exciting surprise at the end. Really? Yes. Well, you're doing it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we do? Sorry. Yes, we do. Yes. So we're so excited about this whole the first time for yes, us. What's first coming? Time for oh, I'm us. so excited. Yay. We would love for you to start with telling us a little bit about your sweet family. Okay. I have my precious husband and girls here in Nashville. I'll go back a little bit. I grew up in North Georgia with two very hardworking blue collar parents. My daddy worked at the telephone company. My mama was a school teacher. And I grew up with my little sister. And we just lived in a small town and we had grandparents right next door. And it was just perfect and precious. And it was the best 
raisin, I think. I mean, I love that small town atmosphere and the values that I grew up with. And we went to church every time the doors were open. My mother was the organist. And so she literally played organ at the church for over 50 years. Wow. Yes. And my daddy was the choir director. So we were always there. The music was in your blood. Music was in our blood. And our church pianist left when I was 11. And we had a really small church and nobody else could play piano. So I literally started playing church piano banging around at 11 years old. Incredible. <laughs> and I was, wow. I mean, I was not very good, but I was all we had. So, so it, it worked incredible. out fine. Yeah. Then I went to college at Samford, and that's where I met my bandmate, Karen. And I also met my late husband there, Steve. And um, while I was at college, my mama had a big surprise one day. She found out she was pregnant. So she had my little brother, and I was 19. And it was like... What is happening? I'm in college. My mom is having a baby. I was yes. so excited, but my sister, who was 14, was humiliated. Absolutely. She was like, My parents can make a baby still. <laughs> that is so funny. So, you know, I was 16 when Kathleen was born. Yes. And my mom said my first response was, I didn't know y'all still did that. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So anyway, he he was just the greatest joy and delight Ooh. to our family. And now he's all grown up and he has his own family. And I'm really close to my family. Ooh. I still, thank God, have both my parents on this earth. And they the things they have instilled in me and mm. the way they've taught me to love and how they've loved on me is, is how I now love on my own children and my mm. husband. And I couldn't be more grateful for how they raised me. And so now I live in Nashville with um, my two girls and my hubby. And this is the second time I've been married. I lost my first husband um, suddenly back in 2005. That was, of course, just a horrible time. But God is just so good. And how He has restored me is remarkable. He's given me everything I could have dreamed as far as family goes. When my when my Steve died back then, I thought, you know, I'll never have children, I'll never love again and and he brought me this incredible man who pulled me up out of the deepest darkest hole and then he gave us babies and I'm just so grateful. My Steve now, I married two Steves <laughs> and they're both from Ohio, which is wow. really weird. <laughs> so I call this Steve Schlapp because I can't call both of them, Steve. And our last name is Schlappman, so I call him Schlapp. But Schlapp and I actually, um, I was told I couldn't have any children. So my first marriage, we tried and tried and tried, and we were never able to have a child. But um, Schlapp and I got pregnant on our honeymoon with no Daisy. Way. Yes. And wow. I know with all my heart, it was my Steve in heaven that he Ooh. went to God and he said, we have to give her what she's always wanted. What she's always wanted is to be a mama. And so we have to give her that wedding gift. And by oh, George. That's beautiful. That absolutely we had beautiful. Daisy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, just restoration. Restoration yes. is there. And I try to tell people who are in the midst of despair and darkness, that there is another side to that. And, and it takes time and you have to live in that darkness for a while, but there is another side and there is restoration and there is happiness and joy. It's really there and it's going to come. Just You just got to hang on till yeah. you get to that point. And Such a great reminder. Thank God I've, I'm, I'm there and mm. so grateful. Mm. That's stunning. 
Do you know the Cece Wannon song? Well, I don't think she wrote it, but The Goodness of God. Yes. Just what you're talking about. It made me think about that line about all my life you've been faithful. Yes. Yeah. All my life you have been faithful. Yes. Oh, yes. That gives me chills. I yes. love that. As do you could just keep singing it. Yes, <laughs> you could. Keep on going. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I love that song. Yes. Mm. It's so good. And mm. I love Cece. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of children, you also have a children's book. As if you don't have enough amazing talent in so many other spaces, (laughs) you also have a children's book. And we love the story of Daisy's influence in that story. So would you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So after we had Daisy, we we wanted her to have a sibling. It was just important to us. So we started trying to have another baby. And we had a lot of heartache in there. For seven years, we tried to have another baby, and we had miscarriages and we just did all the medical things you could do in vitro. We went through two rounds of in vitro, and we lost both of those. And as hard as it was, little Daisy at that time never gave up hope. She started praying for a sibling when she was four years old. She started praying. Yes. And she prayed. Her her old room is right around the corner. She prayed every night in the bed that Dolly now sleeps in. And I, I just think that's wow. the most precious thing. Beautiful. But she prayed every single night for a baby, and she never mm. gave up hope. And she was small back then, so we couldn't really tell her all the details of how hard we were trying sure. to have one. But we did let her know, you know, Mommy and Daddy are, are really trying to do what we can to have a baby. And so she never, ever, ever gave up hope. Mm. And one Christmas, she was nine. And she decided that she was going to ask Santa Claus for a baby. So we were like, oh, babe, well, (laughs) okay, so, well, you're welcome to ask Santa Claus for that. But, you know, not sure even Santa can, you know, take care of that, but he can do Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. So she wrote Santa Claus a letter and she put it in the North Pole mailbox well, we had started the adoption process, so I forgot that part. We we finally decided after the a lot of loss and seven years of trying to have a baby, maybe God's will is for us to adopt a baby. So we started the adoption process, and um, we we started that paperwork in the fall of 2016, and then that's the same year that Daisy asked Santa for a baby. <laughs> So um, we had been told we would wait a year and a half or two years for a baby. And so we fully expected it would be a long time, and we prepared Daisy for that also. So back to the December where Daisy asked Santa for a baby. Two weeks later, we got a phone call from a friend of mine. She knew we were in the adoption process. She said, are you still looking for a baby? And I was like, yes. And she said, well, there's a baby girl that's been born and needs a family. And we were like, what? And then um, <laughs> so we were like, Santa Claus really did hear this. He really got the letter. Um, and so anyway, Dolly came into our lives at Christmas time that year. And I forgot to tell you that besides the letter, she also sat in Santa Claus's lap that year. And she asked him for a baby. And all the people around were like, oh, that poor child. (laughs) That poor child. This is so pitiful. But she said to Santa, all I really want for Christmas is a baby brother or sister. And Santa said, we watched him. And he said, well, you know, I'll do my best. I'm not sure even I can do that. And she said, well, I know you know Jesus. And so I thought that you could talk to him and see what y'all could do. 
what I want people to know is that's not always God's will, but at that point in time, it was our time. <laughs> and that prayer, all those years of prayer were answered, and little Dolly Grace came into our world. Dolly and so Grace. Mm, we, we wrote that Christmas book about our story. And the reason that I wanted to tell the story is because it's just so miraculous, but also mm. there was a time that we went through. A lot of people think I just have a totally glamorous life, but and I, I do get to do a lot of glamorous things, but we're all just so just regular people. And we went through seven years of heartache mm. trying to have a baby. And that's another reason I wanted to tell that story. Mm. <clears throat> you know, your time's coming. There again, you just got to hold on and wait. And oh. then God answered that prayer. In, in the form of a precious yes. little spitfire yeah. of a yes. little girl. <laughs> yes. Oh, and what a faith you had instilled in your daughter. I was thinking from the time she's praying so young to whispering that in Santa's ear, I know you know Jesus. I mean, that's such a picture of the faith you instilled in your kids. It's beautiful. That's really important to us. My husband and I both grew up in the church, and our main goal is to make sure that those babies know and love Jesus. And because when the world falls out from under you, you know, as it will, God, as it will. God's grace is always there, and as horrible and dark as it gets, if nothing else is there, God and His mercy and grace are there. Mm. And so it's been really important to us that we instill that in our girls. David, the other day, someone actually said to me, have you seen that new Explorer Bible for kids? I said, Are you kidding me? It's our new favorite. I am not surprised parents are talking about it. It is the perfect Bible for kids and families because it's readable for the youngest and oldest readers. The Explorer Bible for Kids also includes interesting call-outs and QR codes linking to videos, discussion questions, and printable activity pages. It's such a great tool for developing lifelong Bible reading skills from an early age. The full-color designs, Fun facts, timelines, and photos help kids see the Bible as fun and exciting. Which means they'll be more engaged so they grow up to understand the Bible's life-changing truth for themselves. Choose from five amazing cover options today at LifeWay.com. Use code RBGCSB for 40% off. That's code RBGCSB for 40% off. We didn't even say that we're sitting in your kitchen. We are. And I'm so happy you're here. I saw your sign that says, start each day with God, grace, and gratitude. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a it good way to— It all goes back to that. It all goes back to that. Yeah. Because yep. there's always something to be thankful for, mm. even in the midst of despair. If you look around, there's something to find to be thankful for. Mm. And I have lived there. And yes. I'm not just saying that, you know, yeah. being, you know— Unknowing, right. I, I know. Yes, you know, there's always something you can find to be thankful for. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, in the kitchen, let's talk a little bit about cooking. Yes, I want to know who taught you to cook. What inspired you to write a cookbook? What are some of your favorite recipes? And where did you get the name Ogesi? And before you answer, I may have told you this, but. Our mom, you know, I lost my mom a couple yes. years ago, and our mom had a dog named Gussie. Have I told yes, you that? Yes, you did tell me that. So the same Christmas, Kathleen and I didn't talk about it, and we both bought her your cookbook. 
before yes. I knew anything about you. Yes, you told me that too. Yes, so That's so there so... are two copies that live oh, in Kathleen's house. I know. Mm. So we want to hear all those answers. Okay. I learned to cook literally standing on a stool in our little kitchen in North Georgia. Mm. And both of my grandmothers also were incredible cooks. So I was always watching, and our life revolved around food and being around the table and just the fellowship around the table. Anytime we were at either grandmother's house, there was a huge meal on the table. And my mama worked so very hard, but she came home every day and cooked a a whole meal. Like, not this, let's throw something in the microwave. (laughs) She cooked a whole meal Mm. every day after she had wrangled 30 kindergartners. So I watched her, and also I watched her not only cook, but... Anytime anyone in her life, whether they had a baby or if they lost a parent or if they lost their job or if they broke their leg or they got a new puppy, whatever it was, whether celebration or grief, she was there at their doorstep with a casserole and usually a pie. Mm. And I mean, she would there again, come home from school and whip this stuff up and get it to their house the day she heard about it because... That's how she loved on people. Mm-hmm. And she taught me the same thing. That's how I began to love on people. And that's how I like to love on people. I like to cook for people. And I like to just take care of people in my kitchen or or take a dish to their house when they're not feeling well or whatever it is. So she taught me how to cook and how to love on people because of food. And I remember standing on a stool in her kitchen a very specific memory. We were at the stove and she's making gravy. She made biscuits almost every night. Wow. And we were she was making gravy and she was letting me help her. And I had the gallon of milk and she was letting me pour it in. And she was whisking over here with this hand and and she's letting me pour in the milk. And she said, okay, go, go, more, more. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and I, I remember I, I was like, whoa, sorry. But I've just so vividly remember that and her letting me be a part mm. of it. I hope I didn't ruin a gravy that night. I don't know if I did or not, but <laughs> sure I just remember so many. I just remember watching her and my grandmothers mm. and as many families, their time together revolve around the table. You know, ours really did. Mm. I love wonderful. that. Me too. And how did you get the name Ogussie? Okay, so... In Georgia, growing up, we just said Ogussie all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, Gussie. Well, I mean, it, it's very, it's like universal. So you can say, oh, Gussie, that's the best biscuit I ever had. <laughs> or, or you can say, oh, Gussie, I dropped that whole plate in the floor. Or, you know, you can say, oh, Gussie, that's a Brad Pitt. Or, you know, it, it goes either way. I've never heard it, yeah. That. It goes. Either way, it's it's an exclamatory in a good way, and it's kind of a cuss word in another. That's <laughs> what fantastic. How did you decide on that to be the name of the cookbook? Well, our manager, because I always say that phrase, and our manager just, when I was writing the cookbook, he's like, you have to name it Ogussie because you're the only one I know who says that. Huh. So that's why we did. <laughs> great name. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Well, let's talk a little bit about your music career. So we learned you became the church pianist at 11. We want to also ask, when did you start singing and how did you meet the members of Little Big Town? Okay. I started singing before 
I started playing piano in church because my daddy, he sang in church and he's a great singer. Mm. So I would sing with him. And then when my sister got old enough, we would all three sing together. When I got into middle school, I started singing in a lot of contests and in the choir and stuff like that. And I just always, it was always my dream. I always wanted to be a singer. You know, back then I didn't really know what that dream would mean. And I would have never, ever dreamed this up, what has actually happened. But I um, was very interested in music, and so I went to Samford for a couple of years, and there I met my bandmate, Karen. We met on a bus going to choir camp. We were in the acapella choir there, which it was just the most amazing experience in that choir. And she and I were sitting, she was sitting in front of me on the bus on the way to choir camp, and we realized we were both from Georgia, and we just started talking, and we struck up a friendship that has gotten us through decades together, (laughs) literally decades. And then we both moved to Nashville. She moved here before I did. We both moved here for country music. And we were at lunch one day, and I don't even know which one of us said, we're both trying to make it, you know, and we're like, why don't we do something together? Mm -hmm. So we started brainstorming on what that would be. And at the time, the Dixie Chicks were really, really popular. So we didn't want to do an all-girls thing. And we thought, well, she and I had always done harmony, you know, in choirs and groups together. So we thought, why don't we get some boys in the mix and get some male harmony and let's find some cute, sweet boys. (laughs) And that took a long time, (laughs) a long time. Not that there aren't cute, sweet boys in Nashville, but, you know, we sang with a lot of guys and met with a lot of guys. And then Jimmy and Philip came along and they were the perfect fit. Jimmy Mm. came first and then we met Philip after that. And it's been the four of us since 1999 or 1998 we got together 99 we got our first deal wow and a journey that has been filled with lots of highs and and a lot of lows but i feel like because of our journey that's why we're still together Mm -hmm. i think if we had had the easy road you know and everything had happened quickly and suddenly and perfectly i don't think we would still be together actually Mm -hmm. i think the low points of the journey are what have bonded us and kept us together. Mm. Wow. It is obvious. I mean, it goes without saying when you all sing, it's exquisite, but that there is a depth that feels like everything you're saying, like Mm. beyond the obvious. Yes. And it's mind blowing. And if you you are listening and you have not, get online right now and find them somewhere. Download all their stuff. You will thank us later. Yes. We promise. Buy the cookbooks, buy Dolly for Christmas. All the stuff. (laughs) Yes. But it feels so obvious to what you're saying that there's just a depth and a friendship that Mm, translates all Mm. the talent. Yeah, there is. And and we really love each other and Mm. we really get along. And I mean, it's not perfect. And and there are things that we don't agree on. And, you know, those things happen with everyone. But we really, for the most part, are peaceful and get along with each other and and are in the same mindset of Mm. where we want to go and what we want to do. And it's really been special. I'm just grateful that God chose these four personalities together. We're completely different. We're all completely different, but we just fit together really well. And over the years, we've just learned our roles, you know, yes. and we're all comfortable with that. And mm. we're just growing old together. <laughs> Beautiful. 
You know, we used to say that we were like a band when we would do parenting seminars. <gasps> and we would, as we were introducing ourselves, <laughs> we would put up a picture and we would say we're like the Donnie and Maria parenting. Oh, yes. But, you know, now none of the parents know who Donnie and Maria are. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no. But no, none of the parents do no. anymore. Oh, I no. loved Donnie and Marie. Weren't they awesome? Oh, I tried fantastic. to get David to wear purple socks for a while. Oh. He wouldn't buy in. You're as cute as Donnie Osmond, though. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you. That's yeah. a high compliment. Yeah, you are. I mean, wow. he was such a cutie. Puppy <laughs> love. Donnie Marie, puppy I know. Love. Puppy love. And I'm a little I, bit country. Oh, yes. Yes. I love. And I had one of her Paper Roses. I had that album. And I, I sang it in my mirror in my room. Did you I knew, really? oh, I was Marie Osmond for a while. Yeah. That love is awesome. <laughs> Okay, well, thinking back on all these decades, yeah. do you have a favorite memory from touring or singing, and do you have a, or a couple of favorite songs? It's probably mm. hard to name one. We have been so blessed to have collaborated with so many of our favorites, mm. from Dolly Parton to Lionel Richie to Ronnie Millsap to Barry Gibb. Wow. To, I mean, it blows my mind. And this past mm. summer, we got to tour with the Eagles in, oh, in that's Europe. amazing. I still, they're just like all pinch me moments. And so, ah, oh, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite. Even Karen and I got to do a duet with Elvis. No. <laughs> yeah, he's not alive. Right. But, um, <laughs> but we got to do, we got to, they were remaking his Christmas record a few years ago, and we got to record it at RCA Studio oh B, where he recorded. Oh, wow. And um, so we would hear him in our ears, and we literally sang a duet with him, with Elvis. So mm. we've just wow. been able to do so many awesome things. It's like picking a child as a favorite. I will tell you, being on stage at the Grammys with Dolly Parton mm. was really close to the top, if not the top. <laughs> I bet there are times that you feel like that little girl in Georgia standing in front of the mirror oh, going, are word. you kidding me? I'm singing with Yes, Dolly what am Parton. I doing yes, here? Yes. And also one of my favorite moments was when we were asked to be on the Grand Ole Opry. Reba did it. We were singing pontoon. And all of a sudden, you know, you have the in-ear monitors while you're singing. And so we can hear each other's voices really well. And all of a sudden we started hearing this voice going, motor boating, motor boating. <laughs> no. And we were like, what? Who is that? And then, because that wasn't a sound we normally heard and it wasn't a part we normally heard. And so we just started looking around, and there's Reba no, on no. stage no. singing Motorboat. <laughs> yes. No, no. And no she way. walked out, and we we wanted an invite to the Opry so bad for Aww. so many years. And when she walked out, we were like, oh, this is it. <laughs> And oh, she came so in between us, and she's like, we would like to invite y'all to be members of the Grand Ole Opry. And wow. so that moment is unforgettable. We yes. will never, ever, oh, ever sure. forget that. I had no idea that's how it worked, that yeah. it's a surprise. It's that's a surprise. So cool. Yeah, when you get invited on the Opry, it's wow. a huge surprise, and they go to great lengths. Mm. What we didn't know is that all of our families from Georgia and Alabama and Arkansas had been invited oh. and were there backstage that night. Oh, so they wow. go to such great it. lengths to make it a humongous surprise. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it was so cool. special. Oh, so that's special. so cool. And as far as a favorite song, I have a lot of favorites, but recently Jimmy wrote a song called Rich Man, mm. and it oh, he started writing that song a decade ago, and he played it for us, part of it, one night, and I was like instantly, okay, this is the 
best song I've ever heard in my whole life. And he finished it, and we recorded it on this last record. And it's just about being rich in family and love and memories and the things that really, really matter in life and not what money gets us, but what real love gets us and being rich in that kind of love. And it's the song that people always ask us, what song do you wish you had written that you didn't write? And forevermore, for me, it will be Rich Man because mm. wow. it just, oh, it's really special. Mm. That's stunning. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm. You know, Sissy, we talk about the Bible a lot around here, how it's such an important part of raising kids. We even share our favorite Bibles on the show. Could you imagine if we didn't have the Bible to guide us? I actually can't imagine that, David, but that's the reality for so many people around the world without access to a Bible or some who aren't even allowed to have one. I love that our friends at Crew are working to solve this problem. They have missionaries in almost every country on earth reporting that people are coming to know Jesus. There's just one problem. They don't have a Bible in their own language. But David, I'm so excited that we and our listeners can help them solve that problem. For just $21 a month, you can help provide three people with Bibles each month. And when you sign up for that monthly gift, Crew will also provide meals to feed 15 hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of our book, Are My Kids on Track? Simply text RAISING, R-A-I-S-I-N-G, to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text RAISING to 71326. That's R-A-I-S-I-N-G to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash raising. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Well, we'd love to ask, how do you create balance with all these Mm. parts of your career and your work (laughs) and do it? so effortlessly and in ways that make your girls feel so loved and known. Oh, thank you. I don't do it effortlessly as I cut my eyes over to my assistant over there (laughs) (laughs) and my hubby and all the people in my life who keep it going. I don't do it effortlessly. I do it with a lot of effort and a lot of help. It's so important to me more than anything that I put my family first and that my husband and my girls feel loved and especially my girls these days for what's going on in in the world that we live in. Daisy's a teenager and she has all that comes along with being a teenager and Dolly's just barely six and, and she has all that comes along with just learning so many things as a tiny little kid. But my husband and I have made it a goal of ours and a priority to make sure that even though their life might seem fun and different and all these great things, it's so important for them to understand who they really truly are and who we are behind the closed doors in our family and that we show true love and grace and gratitude to each other and everybody we come in contact with. And we've just made it a real priority to try to be a pretty normal family here. And thank goodness for people like Manning in my life. (laughs) I'm able to spin a lot of plates. And I love all the plates that I spin. Sometimes they make me absolutely cuckoo nuts. Um, (laughs) But I enjoy it. I love all the things that I get to do. But also, I have to make myself stop sometimes and 
take a break because I can get really frantic. And I don't want to pass that along to my girls. And unfortunately, I think sometimes I do. But I'm trying to learn in the last couple of years of my life to slow down a little bit, to sit down on the couch sometimes, which I never, ever, ever do. But I've done a little bit better lately, and I'm going to keep doing that because I think it's important that I live in the moment a little bit more and I show them that I can live in the moment because any of us in this crazy world, we live in this very fast-paced world. I think it's so important that we that we slow down and but I'm not great at it yet. <laughs> we are all learning. Yes, we are space. all learning. Yes. Yeah. Well, so in this season of the podcast, we're talking about raising emotionally strong and worry-free kids. Mm-hmm. And it is, I love hearing you talk about your growing up and and it sounds so idyllic. And I'm sure that your parents fought hard to make it that yes, way. Yes. And what you're describing flows from who you are, Kimberly. Mm. I mean, I hope you've been told that a lot, but the kindness and the life and the light that you just are as a Thank person. You. And we would love for you to tell a story that you feel like in light of that emotionally strong and worry-free, something that really has helped shape you into who you are. Mm. My daddy always said, I, th- I feel like he knew somehow that I would quote unquote, make it because he told me so many times, baby, don't ever forget where you come from. Don't ever forget where you come from. Because I literally came from two very hardworking parents that sometimes barely had enough, barely had enough. And I'm so glad I grew up that way though. I'm so glad I'm passionate about the fact that I grew up that way. But I think he knew that I might have some kind of platform and that he wanted me to stay grounded. And they always believed in me, though. He and my mama always said, you can do anything you want to do. You're great. You're beautiful. You're talented. All the things. And they really helped me believe in myself. I was a very, very shy child, like very shy. But as I grew up, I began to come out of my shell and I started the music thing and I remember one time in probably the eighth grade, I was in this, I think it was a beauty pageant talent kind of thing, because I used to do a lot of those. And I came from my little small town bubble, and this was like a regional contest. And in my little bubble, you know, I was talented, and I made good grades, and I did a lot of extracurriculars. So, you know, I thought, we all thought, you know, I'll go to this pageant and I'll do great. And I went and I I did horribly, <laughs> like horribly. You know, I was pretty graceful as a kid and nobody thought that I needed to practice in my high heel shoes. So I just clomped oh. out there like kind of like a horse. And <laughs> I, I, I had no no like real stage training and I was I was a mess and I did horribly at that and it broke my heart Mm. and the next morning my daddy came in my bedroom and he said baby I love you and I believe in you and I know how talented you are and I always want you to know that you're number one in my heart and he had gone out to his little shop and carved this he carved this Number one little thing that I've had oh. ever since then, like when I was like 13 or 14, but this has gone with me everywhere and mm. always will because I know that no matter what happens, even if Little Big Town had never made it, I know that my daddy would still think I'm number mm. one no matter what, and he would love me no matter what. And mm. this just, I mean, it's just this little piece of wood that he carved like perfectly. <laughs> and 
It means everything to me. Mm. It means everything. It's like, a, if you can't see us, it's like this little number one sign. It's a hashtag, now we call it, but it says number one. And he said to me, you'll always be number one in my heart. And wow. I'll never, ever forget that. Wow. What a powerful message from a dad. Yeah. From a dad. Yes. Yeah, from a dad. Oh. Yeah, and I think it's, I think daddies to little girls, I know daddies to little boys are, I mean, that's such an important relationship. But I don't know a lot about that, but I do know a lot about daddy's relationships with girls. And mm. my relationship with my daddy is so strong. Mm. And my husband's relationship with my girls is mm. so strong and so good. And he speaks to them in ways that I can't even come up with in my head. He's just, he handles the conversation so well and delicately with them. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm. It feels a bit like getting to know your remarkable parents, just yeah, in knowing you and hearing you tell yes. those stories. They're and, so precious. And just even thinking about the spillover effect of them into you, into your girls, mm-hmm. what are some things that you think have helped your daughters become, some things you do or say that help them become more emotionally strong and worry-free? Well, I'm a big-time worrier, so... That's another thing I work on constantly, not being a worrier. And so I try not to put that on them. Although I think Daisy has picked up some of my worry. (laughs) And Daystar has been, I'll just go ahead and say it, incredibly helpful in that for her. But when they walk out the door, I try to make sure they know that I think they look beautiful. And, you know, you're going to ace that test. And you're going to do great on that speech. And you look cool in your new tennis shoes, you know, things like that. Because I think it's important when they walk out into the world that they are equipped with some kind of confidence and then that they know, just like this little number one sign, no matter what happens today, you can come back here and you're going to get loved on big time. So I think it's just, that's so important because they're hit with so many things out there. But I think just equipping them, just knowing that no matter what happens, we're going to love them. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that we're not going to help them get through. Mm-hmm. Thinking back on your early years of parenting, what is something that you worried about back then that you wish you had? <laughs> oh, this is really superficial. But I was so worried about how, how Daisy looked when she left the house. Mm-hmm. Like, did she have on cute clothes? Did she match? Did her hair look cute? <laughs> Were her shoes tied? Did she just look great and perfect? And I don't do that with Dolly. But sometimes Dolly will walk out of the house with leopard pants and a plaid shirt and knots <laughs> in her hair. And that's just the best we can do that yes. day. And yes. I'm really okay with it. And I'm surprised at myself. I used to be just worried about the judgment that, mm-hmm. you know, I might get from... Mm-hmm. If I'm a good mom, then my kids are going to look perfect. But I know that's not true. Yeah. And I know sometimes... Can you say Dolly, that again? Yeah. It's not true. It's not true. Yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. It's not true. And sometimes Dolly walks out and looks like nobody's taking care of her for a few days. <laughs> uh, it's okay because... But she knows she's She loved. knows she's loved. And I know she's, for the most part, clean and, <laughs> and, and well taken care of. I've released that pressure on myself. And I'm really glad. And I know it happens a lot with the second child. Mm-hmm. But... I love not caring if she wants to be Spider-Man on top and a princess on the bottom. It's okay. It's because she feels good that way. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, what's one statement you wish someone had said to you on the front side of the parent journey? Ooh. I wish someone had said, 
you can do this. You're not going to ruin their life. Even though you've never done this before, you were raised well. And if as long as you just pass that on to your children and love them hard, then they're going to be okay. When we picked up Dolly, she was teensy little baby. And I was secretly afraid that I wouldn't love her the same as I love the child that I carried in my womb, Daisy. But when I held that child for the first time, that love was instantaneous and equal to the love that I had for for Daisy. But when we walked in to pick her up, I had that fear and I reached down for her and someone next to me said, you're not going to hurt her. Just pick her up. Mm. And that meant a lot to me. No, I'm not. I'm going to love her and I'm going to help her grow and heal and be a a good girl in this world. And maybe a shorter version of that would have just been, just chill out. (laughs) Just chill out. (laughs) You got this. You can do it. It's great. Mm, And so needed. I know. I know. Well, in the world of emotions that we live in as counselors, we talk a lot about arming ourselves with truth. Yes. You have said a lot already in our conversation, a lot of beautiful truth. If there was one that you can think of that's really helped you on your parenting journey, what's a truth that you would want to share? I think it's a verse in Philippians because I live kind of an anxious life. This verse says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, just let your request be known to God and He will guard your hearts and your minds. And I think that's so important Mm. that he will also, as much as he guards our hearts, he's going to also guard our minds. And I can't say that I live that verse perfectly because I am anxious a lot, but that verse kind of runs in my head all the time. Don't be anxious for, there's no reason to be anxious. No reason because you just take it to God Mm. and he's going to guard your heart and your mind. Just hand it over, hand it over, hand it over. And I have to remind myself a lot of that daily, but I know it's truth, yes. and I know that I don't have to be anxious. Mm. And when I am able to let things go, I love that feeling. I just love going, oh, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. Mm. Okay, well, we like to end with something fun and mm-hmm. food-related, which mm-hmm. is especially fun to be doing with someone who's written a cookbook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we have a two-part question for you. First part okay. is queso or guac? And the second part is, what's your favorite kind of taco? I'm going to go queso, but guac is right, very close second. I love queso. Um, (laughs) I haven't met a taco that I don't like, I have to say, (laughs) but I do have a recent favorite taco that I love. It's a fish taco. Yeah, it's made with tilapia. And the best part of the recipe is not actually the taco, but the taco sauce (laughs) because it's so yummy. So that that would be it, fish tacos. We're ending in a really unique way because we're actually going to get to make a fish taco with you, and we kind of can't, can't believe, believe it. it. We don't no, believe it's really we're happening. So we're I'm not so just going to talk about this taco. We're going to experience it with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to make this taco. Yes, we are. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. We've never ended the show in no, this way. No, we haven't. This is a surprise. Surprise. <laughs> I'm so happy. Earlier, I was like, what's the surprise? <laughs> Yes, we're going to make a taco, and we're going to make it right here in my kitchen, and we're going to mess up probably, but that's okay. That's okay. We're here together, and 
about the fellowship and having fun. Yes. Good tacos. (laughs) You know, sissy, my allergist tells me to take my allergy meds from Valentine's Day to the 4th of July. Oh, you are almost there, David. But you know, ever since I've been using my Air Doctor filter, I haven't needed all those allergy meds. It's been helping me too. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. From stinky gym clothes to chemical cleaning products, Air Doctor keeps your air fresh and clean. That's why we can breathe much easier these days. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors, breathing around 30,000 gallons of air daily. According to the EPA, indoor air could be more polluted than outdoor air. And with Air Doctor, there's no need to worry about noise. Their exclusive Whisper Jet fans are 30% quieter than the fans in ordinary air purifiers. That means you can run Air Doctor at the highest speeds while still enjoying a peaceful home environment. Air Doctor's Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of bacteria and viruses and virtually 100% of those teeny tiny particles we can't even see. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code RBG. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code RBG. One last time, that's up to 39% off or up to $300 off if you go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. 
Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. And this is one of my new, very favorite recipes. But we're gonna do it in a few steps and we have a little magic of TV because I already made some tilapia Ooh, earlier. Okay. But I'm gonna show you what I, what I like to do. So the first <laughs> thing we're gonna do is make a little topping for our tilapia we're gonna cook in the oven. Okay. We're gonna do a little bit of cumin, a teaspoon of cumin, maybe a little bit more, a teaspoon of garlic powder, mm. Some salt. Smells so good. Good amount already. of salt. Good amount of pepper. And we're gonna get this one you to put in the show notes, right? Yes, okay. Yes. This is so yummy, but this is not the yummiest part. And I already made two, but I have one more piece of tilapia here. And I am going to put it on my little pan and we're gonna stick it in the oven to cook. So you're gonna make this topping and then you're just gonna sprinkle it right over the tilapia. And by the way, this is maybe the cutest pan I've ever seen Isn't in my this life. So cute? Yes. I know, I have a dish problem. I, I really have a problem. And we are bursting at the seams with cute dishes. And a little bit of olive oil mm. on top of there. And pat it, put a little pat of butter on top, because why not? Okay. We're gonna stick this in the oven. And for the magic of TV, as they say, we've already made some that we're gonna use for our tacos. Mm. But this is actually the best part of these tacos. We have sour cream Ooh. and we have mayonnaise mm. and we have some salt. Are y'all okay with spice? Oh yeah. A little bit of cayenne. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, I should have my little shaker thing on there. <laughs> this is This could go bad. <laughs> and then a little hot sauce. And we're gonna put a little lime juice in here. Oh my goodness. Ooh. If we started with sour cream and mayonnaise, yes. ended with hot sauce and lime, you can't <laughs> go wrong. You, can you? you cannot go, go wrong. You cannot go wrong. And I'm gonna whisk this up a little bit in here. All right, so this is our sauce. And we talking about the bowl? Yes. So my daddy made this bowl. Do I have mayonnaise on my forehead? No, you do not. No, if I do it would be very normal. Um, my daddy made pottery. Look at look at this gorgeous bowl. He also made, David, but I was gonna ask you if you wanted to put some of those little shells. I will. Just one there. or several. You can just do three in there okay. for us. And we're just you're just gonna toast those a little bit and get them a little bit warm for the tilapia. Am I doing okay? You're doing great. I feel nervous working with a professional. Can we call this Kimberly Cooks with Amateurs? That's what this episode's called. <laughs> now, I love to cook, but I'm a real spaz, as you've noticed. When I had my cooking show, someone would wipe down all my splatters and stuff like that. But since COVID, I kind of started doing this in the kitchen on my own. And I mean, I just have to live with the mayonnaise on my forehead. And it's fine, it's fine. It's great. Um, okay, that's perfect, David. That so let me, good. I wanna show you how we build these yummy Ooh. tacos. Okay. 
So we're gonna take one of them and put a little tilapia in the bottom. This tilapia is so yummy. It's really got lots of great seasoning on it. Then let's put some of this He's gonna grab cheese. it out of your hand with those things he's holding. He's <laughs> seen me already. We gotta put lots of cheese and, and your tilapia is hot so the cheese melts. And mm. then, Sissy, will you grab, I'm gonna move some of this. Okay. Will you grab that little tray yes, of, of goodies? Yes. And our little cilantro, we gotta have that in a minute. Look at these. Okay. So. Beautiful. A little bit of red onion on there. And some diced tomatoes. And do you like avocado, yes. cilantro, and the magic sauce? Where did I put it? I moved it. This is so yummy on top. And you just put a Look little. How beautiful oh, that it's is! Top. Beautiful. The colors. And wait for it. Wait for it, David. Help this. me. Oh Whoa. yes! Yes! <laughs> I bought this especially for y'all, but I'm so happy about it. <laughs> Let's make more. Okay. Let's do. One. I think tacos are fun for company because you can have all this fun stuff sitting out and you can make it as low-key or as as fussy as you want. Oh, I forgot the cheese. This is called cotija cheese. Ooh, okay. It's fancy Mexican cheese and it melts great. It's delicious. Then we want some. And tomatoes. everyone's happy about this meal. Who wouldn't be happy, right. wouldn't be happy if you serve about this, this meal? Yeah, not the truth. And then a little cilantro and a little sauce. Mm. I always make tacos too full, but. Beautiful. Look at that. <laughs> we have a sign in our office that says, you can't make everyone happy, you're not a taco. And that feels so true <laughs> for this meal, so doesn't true. it? We make that everyone so happy with this. true. Hopefully we would. This. Tilapia goes a long way. You don't need that much when you are making these little tiny tacos. Uh, and it's burning my hand. You did, because you toasted them perfectly. Set it there. Yeah. Oh, okay. there you go. And I'll hold it now, over. okay, let me reach for this. The cheese, all the cheese. That wasn't enough cheese. Let me get some more cheese. You can never have too much butter or cheese. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's too much. You can have too much onion, however. Tomatoes, cabbage. Avocado, cilantro, and the magic sauce. sauce. Oh, look at these. Okay. This is amazing. What a I love you guys. We love, love you. you. Oh, you are so a gift. Wow. Thank you for coming. Thank you for hanging Thank out with me. Thanks for letting us. me cook for you. I'm going to clean you up there, David. Okay. <laughs> Will you let us know if we pass the interview? Do you think you can for the job? You're already hired. <laughs> I mean, you say you have to leave and go to your real job, but I need you. Don't okay, leave. I need you. We're staying. We're <laughs> staying. Uh, Thank you. You can just hold those. That's I perfect. Just hold them. <laughs> I'm just going to take them right with me is what I'm going to do. You better. I am. We can't believe we spent this morning yes. in your kitchen oh, in this way, really in your company, yeah. and your generosity you. to us. Thank you. Thank it's you. It's been a beautiful gift. Y'all are precious, and mm -hmm. you are a beautiful are. gift to so many children. And I can't thank you enough for what you do. And you, you, you know how to love on children in all the good ways. And thank you for the gift you are to our community. I mean, y'all are amazing to children and adults from your podcast. Just listen to your podcast. It's so helpful and encouraging. And thank you both very thank much. You. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. 
And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls. 